So welcome to the AEC Hive podcast. Thanks. I'm Ralph Montague. I'm a director at ArcDocs. I'm joined today by John Egan, co-founder of AEC Hive from BIM Launcher. John, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm CEO of BIM Launcher. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this call. Been a big fan of Alberto for for a while now, so let's see how the session goes. <laughs> yeah, so we're very excited today be, to be joined by Alberto Tono from uh, Deep Learning Italia. He's based in San Francisco, uh, the heart of innovation. And uh, Alberto, do you want to give us a, a brief introduction to yourself, yeah, your sure. background, and uh, what you're up to? Well, I'm really flattered to be here with Ralph and John. Honestly, I'm I'm a big fan of you as well. And uh, what what you guys are doing is pretty amazing for our industry. And for our industry, I want to point the fact that um, it's not only AC, but uh, it's really the industry in general that need uh, desperately need a cross pollination with the digital and humanities in a certain way. And we as architects kind of uh, embrace this vision of the collision of all this discipline in the unique figure of the architect. And it's kind of funny because here in San Francisco, uh, they just finished to shoot uh, Matrix 4, which is, uh, is pretty incredible because uh, all the Matrix movie had the main figure behind the scene of all these uh, bits, 0 and 1, and it's basically the architect who is the main machine who orchestrated the entire project. So I think the figure of architect in general need to be nobilitated as well. And uh, probably technology can be the key uh, for nobilitate this kind of discipline. And I've seen the same path uh, also because I'm Italian has been done by the church. We, we as Italian are pretty attached by the church and uh, I have to say and to admit that the, the Pope is really engaged uh, in this uh, conversation. And uh, I've been invited. This call uh, was uh, it's called Renaissance. It happened the 28th of February. And basically, Pope Francis uh, hosted the, the vice president of IBM and Microsoft and the president of the FAO for this great uh, white paper signature for ethics in AI. And I'm really a strong advocate of uh, the ethical implication that we always should question when we think about technology and innovation. Uh, really, thank you again for this great opportunity. Uh, I'm really proud to be here today with you guys. Yeah, great. And tell us a bit about Deep Learning Italia. You know, what is it about? Deep Learning Italia actually embedded a little bit the core values that we were talking about, uh, education, sharing, research, uh, also products, uh, and um, has been established three years ago with um, a group of friends really passionate about statistics, uh, neurobiology, and computer science uh, in Italy. Personally, I had a great experience in China where I experienced uh, in first place ethics uh, and AI in computer vision for face detection and activity detection. So I was pretty engaged with the government there, had a really nice experience. And when I came back to Italy, I decided to to start raising awareness about this technology and also the way they have been established. 
And so deep learning in Italia is just a group of passionate professor, PhD researchers uh, around Italy. And we are spreading all the deep learning, machine learning, AI across different cities like Milan, Rome. And I would like to truly thank Matteo Testi. He's the main founder, actually, of Deep Learning Italia. That is always uh, active and a strong um, advocate for this mission. I've been uh, always engaged in this conversation, and I'm really proud of the work uh, we have been doing. And I mean, your experience as an as an architect and how you progressed from a career where you probably didn't think you were going to be mm-hmm. so involved in technology. You probably thought you're going to be more involved in sort of bricks and mortar, <laughs> <laughs> uh, physical things. And then uh, you know you've come through a, 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 an extensive career into generative design, computational design, technology. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so that's uh, exactly the point. Uh, I think you you envision uh, the figure of architects, someone immersed with bricks and Malta, right, and concrete mainly. And it was never my idea of an architect. I thought always the architect put always at the center the people who live in the building, because at the end, the building is just a product of improving the performance, how people live, and how people can be happy and healthier in the space we all experience. So when I joined architecture, I just found, um, I joined actually building, engineering, and architecture. And I was really debating because I was between, uh, also at that time, uh, medicine, uh, and neuroscience, uh, and engineering. I got admitted in all of this, but then I decided architecture because... I thought really embrace uh, the main value that is behind, like we are building for people who are going to live there and we are going to sort of uh, shape the mind of the people who live in the city and in the building. And so it's a really strong responsibility, uh, the one of the architect. And I thought that was the main value. But the turning point of my career was an exam that I was I took. And I was taking consideration of the landscape, the culture, the people who were living there. I was going to the building site and interviewing the community. And when I was doing the exam, the professor was really amazed in the work I did. And, said, and he told me, oh, you're going to be for sure a great architect. And I was like, well, I, I thought that I've done the normal job that every architect is supposed to do, to integ- try to integrate the building in the, in the site and talk with the people who are going to experience the building to understand their culture. And this was kind of scared me. And following all the lesson um, and the, the experience from the main architect, they were always talking about shapes, mathematics, the double curve, and the material, the bricks. Uh, uh, they were never talking about people. And the main thing that they found in technology is all, all around people like Facebook. Facebook has been done to connect people. Google has been done to, to search, to knowledge, to, to give knowledge to people. So all the main value behind technology company are actually focused on improving the life of people. The main mission that should always embrace an architect. Mm-hmm. And that's why I truly believe the mentality that uh, and the value that are embedded in the software company are the value that I was looking forward in my career, in my life. And so that's why I, I kind of deciding to do this kind of career path because uh, I can s- definitely see uh, division in conversation. That's so true. I mean, architecture can get sort of obsessed by the artifact rather than the, the purpose, which is to give people uh, places to, to do things. 
let's talk a little bit about innovation. So the reason John and I started this AZI initiative was we had a general sense that the level of innovation and the level of research and development in the AEC sector was incredibly low. Um, I mean, innovation does occur, obviously, but it typically occurs at the project level, you know, and, and, and when it occurs, it only occurs once on a particular project, and the learnings from that seldom get shared across, uh, sometimes not even across one organization, but uh, seldom get shared across the industry. You know, what's your feeling about innovation in the AEC sector? Do you, do, do you feel there's enough innovation, or is it... You know, yeah. What's it like in San Francisco? Is there? <laughs> uh, I, I would like to say I mean, the main, probably the main question is why we are lacking you know, innovation in the AC. <laughs> so I don't see innovation happening in the AC. I see a lot of change, but again, it's part of the mentality, it's part of the institution that are has been created, and the value of the people uh, in these organizations. That is my experience. And I want to make an example, like there are big organizations where you have to take exams, you have to take credits. And so there is not a natural spirit of innovation, of learning. So there are all these organized lunch and learn, uh, mandatory lesson uh, that you have to attend to commit your credit. Something that I would like to say is embedded in the software industry because you always need to catch up with innovation, with the new software, to be faster, improving your product, as well as the the main value. When I was a student and also when I was working in different companies, people felt really proud when they work extra hour, work in the weekend, and the main conversation also with other managers was like, oh, I made you this algorithm saving you two hours per day. And they were saying, yeah, but who cares? I can just uh, let my people work two hours more and they got paid the same. So this uh, sort of mentality that is not focused in efficiency, but is really focused on exploitation and uh, um, try to always improve the design in an endless effort is really dangerous, in my personal opinion, to the industry and it's not uh, allowing us to push forward. But also, I had to admit that we don't have great example in the software industry applied to DAC. Also, the vision that other companies are providing to us, uh, I wouldn't define really bright vision, especially if we think about generative design. I strongly recommend to see the article by Daniel Davis, was uh, part of a conversation we had in New York, and uh, we were just talking about how it's supposed to be generative design with these recommendation systems. And so we're having fun, like imagine to have an email where you type uh, the text and then you have 2,000 options on how it should end up the sentence. And it's like you have to spend time to look in your option and then click to your option. Right, Google, when you type, it gives you the best option and then you can keep writing, typing, and it's gonna change based on your behavior or attitude. And that, I think, should be the way generative design should go, a recommendation system. I'm really happy about the work that Hyper is doing because they have, as a CTO, uh, someone really knowledgeable about recommendation system. He used to work at Google and implement a recommendation function uh, in order to suggest to the user the next function. And that's exactly a great example of how we should move forward, a uh, recommendation system. No one is taking the time and the taking care of them 
And so why don't they don't suggest uh, a different approach? So there is a really a recommendation system in place that is present in all other uh, industry and softwares. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, a bipolar conversation that we don't have a great example of in the software industry in the AC, but also at the same time, uh, really old institution and old organization with different mentality. John, you, um, I mean, you yeah. sort of sit on the, the outside of, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, you have a background in the, the AC sector, but then you went off yeah. into so- software development and, uh, you know, often in conversations we have, you confounded by how crazy yeah. this industry is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I find it, yeah, just to expand a bit on that, like, I think that Alberto, you and I have, have a lot in, a lot in common. I, I started out life training as an architect and I remember training in my class. I became fascinated with optimizing design for the purpose of you know, at the time it was very geared towards, you know, crazy shapes, but I think that just reflected my immaturity with regards to what people really wanted in space. But from that, I went on to think about generative design. So I was quite fortunate. We had um, a, a guy called Christian Derrick from DAS, um, architects at the, t- at the time, and he came in and he showed us how he was able to script the designs for buildings and generate buildings around the principles that he would bed, embed within these scripts. And for me, I thought that this was fascinating because I could define the goal and then I could generate every possible permutation of a solution around that. And that's the way I, I kind of started thinking about buildings. I started thinking, okay, we as humans occupy buildings and we move around them and we're trying to define these spaces within buildings according to their use case use cases and i thought no that's not that's not how we should should be thinking about buildings we should invert that and we should be thinking about humans and their requirements at that moment and the building should adapt around around that person personally what i did in response to the really strict conditions of passing the uh, the architecture degree and um, you know going through this kind of very fixed design process i i completely rejected that and i identify that in your story as well um where you're saying your lesson in architecture school was that you know you started to design around the people but um and you and you're obviously drawn that uh, similarity with with technology companies, but I suppose what I did was I I set up a society in the university and focused on merge emerging technologies and trying to explore ways with combining those with um with with architecture, and from that I set up you know my own technology focused BIM consultancy and what happened to me in architecture school is I was actually thrown out of out of my degree and um, because I would not confer, like do what they wanted me to do in order to get to get the architecture tick the box exercise um, so they failed me and they said look do you want to do you want to either 
repeat the year or you can or you can actually go ahead and leave and they were like we don't care we don't care what you're trying <laughs> to achieve here we we identify that you do you're doing innovative activities we identify that you're traveling um around europe to conferences to to get to receive knowledge from the leaders in generative design but they were like you know left me out on my own so fortunately i was working for an engineering company who had identified my skill set um, in generative design at the time and they brought me on in you know on board and i was able to exercise my you know my skills there and grow them there but i think what you're saying is think about and talk about hyper and like what you're saying here about the recommendation system um i think yeah we're gonna have i suppose like as you described it like it's almost like bipolar they're both pulling against each other tech and ac because we're almost like our shared goals should be people but really the shared goal for ac is fee and uh you know focusing on the inefficiencies that gets that maximizes that whereas tech is all about the people um and obviously you've i suppose you've flexibility of the business model around tech but you don't have that in, in ac but i mean like we don't have a shared goal uh, if mm-hmm. hyper are recommending things to designers what are those goals going to be are they going to be focused on fee are they going to continue to optimize for the inefficiencies that that generate fee or are yeah i mean how do you see that see that moving forward yeah thanks john i think you had a really great experience and thank you so much for for sharing and yeah i would say uh, our path and i'm sure there are so many other people who are sharing the same path reading blog online uh, and also looking at the industry is a common trend and basically i one thing that emerged in the round table we had with the all the cto uh, here in san francisco was led by robert otani the cto of Tony tomazetti and i'm sure they're doing a really great job also in terms of open source sharing providing hackathon workshop uh, all this activity that our industry desperately needs and exactly the main value is sharing is um, is the main value also behind the open source that i'm sure also you john are pretty close to it doesn't mean that has to be free of course so you can charge for it but the the part that is open source can create community can create conversation around can create connection and uh, I'm right now in a great community that is PyTorch uh, with FastAI and Jeremy Howard here in San Francisco. And really be in in the Silicon Valley, put you way back in the future. Uh, that is kind of a weird way to say, way back in the future. But um, it's a future that is living also in the past in a sort of way because we are eradicate. Uh, in a world that is not there yet. And yesterday I went to the to the BART, that is kind of the, the subway we have here. And there was an advertisement was saying, oh, it's so 2019. So, and we are basically in February, March, so the beginning of 2020. But is this idea of progress, this idea of innovation that have happened together and hold the hackathon and have 
there is one every weekend and there are free lesson of deep learning basically everywhere every day um amazon provide that aws uh, google microsoft all these companies provide their space with food for free for communities so really the, the ecosystem here is something um amazing like immediately when i joined the silicon valley i felt there was something here that is unique in the world and i i think it's this idea of sharing this ability to attract people with the same mindset especially with other university like stanford and berkeley really they're really great people who love to push forward who want to create a different leadership eradicating human values and kindness in Humboldt. And so that's a, what a, I was lucky to see here. And I want to say it's not like every company in the Silicon Valley has that for sure, or every person, but is a common denominator that is present here. And that's, I hope, probably one of the main reasons why is is doing so well. And mm-hmm. hope is going to do well in the future because they cancel all the conferences like GDC, GDC, Google I.O., um, Facebook F8, they cancel all this conference for really major issue that is coronavirus. So mm-hmm. I hope that can help us unite yeah. us all together as well. Yeah, I mean, the picture I was having while you were talking there is, you know, this, um, there's a, a beautiful library in, in Dublin at Trinity College, yeah, which has all these old books you know, uh, of knowledge, like you know, like thousands of books, but all that knowledge is is you know is locked up in a piece of paper, because you know there's no way to access that knowledge unless you want to go and sit there and read every mm-hmm. book. And yeah, that was the thing about the AC sector. Like the, the 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 sector is actually incredible what it does in terms of building the built environment and building the world. And there's incredible knowledge within the sector but it's locked up in people's minds and the transfer of knowledge in the sector is, is or mostly through pieces of paper and people have become sort of protective of their knowledge because maybe their position uh, within a company or even the position of their company is, is well, in their minds, focused around the, the sort of knowledge or capacity they have within themselves. So, so that I agree with you. There's no sort of sharing. Sometimes, not even within organizations, is people are quite protective about their their knowledge and their position. And, May I uh, ask you a question yeah. about the library? Yeah. Like, uh, how many books can you take from the library? The you library, know? and think about it, is really old books, so you can't actually take them out. You have to read them <laughs> there. <laughs> because here, now here in San Francisco, I can take 50 books uh, at a time, every time, 50, yeah. and it's pretty insane. No other library that I've been uh, because I. I love to go to the library and study as much as possible. And San Francisco gave me the opportunity to have the latest book uh, every year. And uh, I can take, uh, I can keep the book for almost uh, three months and I can keep like 50 books for almost yeah. three months. It's, mm. it's really... But, but, if you, uh, but if you think about what Google's done in terms of, you know, what's their motto, something like organize the world's information. Yeah, so they... Yeah. The, the digitizing and organizing information so that when you're looking for something, you, you know, you can find it quickly. You know, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all, all the books are also PDF format. You can find all the books online. So if you, because a lot of people don't like uh, paper, but they love PDF, which I do too. Uh, 
you can also have all the books uh, directly in PDF. So I think yeah. also the library is really the core uh, place that I found for innovation because you can study for free. Yeah, like yeah. all my knowledge that I acquired in my career are basically all online, free, and uh, I'm sure is a common denominator for everyone. But also all the other kind of group, uh, the Dynamo user group, uh, the Computation Design Institute that we found as a nonprofit and so on, also Deep Learning Italia are all based on this free idea of education, free idea of learning. And uh, that uh, I'm strongly believe uh, is a great values added in the educational system. But as well, it, the educational system is pretty outdated. The way we learn is so outdated, uh, and especially in the university, you have uh, lessons which are not actually useful anymore because uh, you can just Google it and find the main information for special topics. And there are such great lectures online. So the university should be a gather for students to work together and create teams and sharing opinion and working together. So they're probably the best um, value that I see here also in uh, the San Francisco University. They have this data institute uh, where there are people who are flying here from all over the world uh, for two months to work together in a deep learning project. And they were able to reach state-of-the-art uh, algorithm that compete against IBM, Google, and Facebook uh, for the deep learning part. And just because they gather all these passionate people, like usually are also researchers, or students here working together, like group of 10, 12 people, like a super hackathon of two months, but with the professor, with a supervisor, and really they provide uh, some of the best algorithms that are out there, like mm. the Oldify, the one that produced color out of the black and white pictures uh, was produced here and so many others. So, and it was amazing, like this, um, Jeremy Howard created this uh, company it's called FastAI. is a high-level API system framework uh, built on top of PyTorch mainly. Uh, and he, sh he was showing some of the paper uh, he produced, uh, basically with the same line of codes, like five lines, uh, he was able to reproduce a mathematical formula with five lines. And he was presenting this at Google and it was so fascinating because now you can start translating maths into code and can understand it in a better way. And in the same we could do also in architecture. So many problems that we are facing as well as John was mentioning before are optimization problems that other industry already solved back in days. But because there is not this cross-pollination conversation between other industry, we are pretty lacking behind and uh, I, I think the main engine should be how we as an industry can attract other people to join us because I'm seeing all, all these talents are leaving the AC and then going software company and John is another great example of this brilliant mind uh, really focused on innovation focused on great values but has to leave the industry because it was not the right place for for him, especially in, the, in his education, in his university. And I think every one of us is fat like John, I would like to say in one point on the career. But so how we can have this talent back in the AEC? That is the main question. How can we make AEC cool again or uncool again in a sort of way? Yeah, it's interesting because it was at a function last week, but you know, we were discussing the construction sector and 
as we went around the room, you know, about half the room said, well, I'm not really part of the construction sector. Uh, and then we d started discussing, well, actually, everyone in the room is engaged with the built environment. Like, you, that's where you live, it's where you work, it's where your oh, yeah. ch children go to school. Like, there's very little about your life <laughs> that doesn't involve the built <laughs> environment. And yet half the people um, in the room felt they had no engagement or no role yeah, in the sector, you, you know. So that so so one of the things is hmm. that a lot of people feel disconnected. You know, so they they kind of have to deal with the built, built environment every day, but they have no they feel they have no control or position on how it's shaped or um, you know. So you just have to do, deal with what you get effectively, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is quite terrible if you think about it. Um, yeah. Sorry, but John. I think yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. When I got thrown out of architecture school, my parents said, oh, John, I thought I thought you wanted to be an architect. And I said, I do, but I don't want to be their version of an architect. I want to be hmm. my version of an architect. Yeah. And I think, you know, quite rightly so. People are saying, yeah, we don't feel part of the construction industry, but that's it's just because they don't they don't have a place in this ivory tower of that you know, of, uh, I suppose, like restrictions that have been built up to actually engage in anything meaningful to do with the with the industry. And I suppose that's just it's it's kind of protected by. Yeah, it's amazing to leave uh, sort of behind the scene because I can see this kind of battle between uh, uh, architecture and engineering company and construction company in a sort of way like I'm seeing this division uh, between AE and the C. Um, there are basically also software companies like Autodesk is moving mainly in a construction uh, focus view as well. They established in BIN 360 and all the, the, the new purchase they had uh, were mainly focused on construction. And also the main conversation happening with Stanford are also focused on construction and Martin Fisher is another great example of that. The other uh, flip of the coin or part of the coin is like um, Danny Sheldon from Georgia Tech, uh, who uh, successor of uh, Jack Eastman, one of the main uh, people behind building information modeling. They are more focused on uh, architecture, engineering, and uh, they felt left out from this conversation, especially with Autodesk, uh, and they are moving with software like more Rhino, Grasshopper, and so. There is this kind of division that's happening in the industry that I'm seeing. But then uh, the only uh, people are taking advantage of software company who are actually founding a really great event, hackathon, especially for, for the industry. And they are trying to tackle the main issue. Like Flux was the spin-off from Google X. So uh, as all of us know, uh, Google X is the spin-off from Alphabet, from Google. And... That's where all these conversations are happening mainly uh, from this company that I've seen, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, IBM, and also Disney. They are really engaging, uh, especially thinking about the Omniverse. is an NVIDIA platform that is taking advantage of uh, Pixar USD, Universal Shin Description. is a virtual environment that is supposed to have this kind of real-time collaboration and... Um, 
it's pretty brilliant. It's still an alpha. They are supposed to release at the end of this month. This month. Uh, but again, is is a software company. It's Nvidia who's taking uh, the leap and uh, actually try to improve. At the same time, there is Apple who is producing a USD Z, and then there is Autodesk also wrapping up around the USD. But the essence is. Pixar and all these other software company that are actually try to build the main pipeline for for our industry, but again, our software company who are who are also driving this, and I'm pretty sure as soon as they're gonna be the chance, they're gonna take the the market in a really eradicate way, and they are they are building pretty good and solid relationship with all these companies. So. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are doing also Beam, especially Apple and Google, and they're way ahead of other really good company in the AC. Yeah. And, and do you think that's because of a, a general frustration of the AC sector is just struggling to deliver? You know, um, like even in Ireland, like we were, we would sort of consider ourselves a first world country, but we have, we can't deliver enough housing yeah we can't deliver enough schools we can't deliver enough you know healthcare facilities to to meet the needs of the people in ireland <laughs> and that's yeah then that's not even considering the rest of the world so yeah i think the when it comes to the need for innovation i think there's a general frustration um amongst everybody that construction's too slow and it's too expensive and it's it's just not meeting people's needs. And you know, mm-hmm. back to your earlier point, it's, it's, uh, and then you know, there's quite a few people in in the AEC sector who are not thinking about people, and they're thinking about designing award-winning artifacts. You know, uh, yeah, rather than, rather well, than also, del- no, no. delivering uh, needs. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm seeing, especially based on my experience. Uh, there are all these architecture company and other company uh, that are trying to do really great marketing video, how they're helping uh, uh, other population and country providing the, their solution in the design for shelter, disaster relief. But as far as I've seen, this is only marketing just to attract uh, interest and funding and to put the, oh, we are doing something good for other people. But then when um, you're actually trying to help them and try to push to say, okay, let's do it, you have no conversation. So it's really, there is a big bubble of marketing and a lot of fake news that, uh, at least for me, when the bubble explodes uh, and you see, you realize there is nothing behind, it's pretty upsetting. So that was one of the saddest things that I have to admit I've seen, uh, especially in the AC. Uh, a lot of really great company, really big firm that are supposed to be a reference for us. Just uh, pushing out a lot of fake news, a lot of misleading videos, uh, and that was pretty devastating for for my values, especially. And this idea of sharing information and sharing algorithms and sharing, you know, like you've you've participated in many um, initiatives, um, you know, the hackathons and the San Francisco Design Computational Design Institute. And so you, you've been in many environments where people come together and are willing and open to mm-hmm. to share. And uh, 
yeah, I, I sort of listened in to your uh, event at AU um, about hackathons, and you had some great people uh, on the panel. What in general is that a you know, just? I, I would think that for most people in the AC sector, the idea of sharing information is uh, quite foreign. You know, like and it, the opposite is true. We should keep all our information to ourselves and keep mm-hmm. our. Do you see a change in in the way people are thinking about opening up and? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think the thanks to great example. They basically opened the door to us uh, to this kind of conversation. Thanks to them, and I really would like to thank Robert, uh, Ian, uh, uh, Dimitri also with Speckle, uh, Ladybug with Mustafa, Tio and Chris, uh, all these amazing heroes in our industry. They are giving them the great example of how we should all uh, behave and work together. And like Spackle is creating an amazing community also there. And they, they, this open source and this sharing help, help a lot to create a community. And that's what also Autodesk realized uh, is needed. And Rachel uh, Hartley and from Autodesk community, Autodesk finally gave a lot of funds uh, for this initiative to start building communities, funds. And um, we are as the San Francisco Computation Design Institute was mainly found by Autodesk nowadays, especially the next event, we're going to have a Microsoft with uh, Peter from uh, MBBJ from about computer vision and machine learning in architecture is, is funded for the food part about Autodesk and also hosted by Microsoft. And a lot of the participants actually are not in, uh, in the AC are mainly for software companies, which is interesting. But they have also background of architecture, but they work now in software. I think this can help in uh, reintegrate them uh, in our field and start another conversation. And a lot of startup raising up. DPR as an amazing venture capital ecosystem. I, I can see, especially here, there are a lot of um, spin-off startup that are raising Airbnb has a great team that is doing an amazing job and so on and so forth. Yeah, sharing is going to be the key part in our industry, not only about coding, but I saw people start sharing details, construction details, library for free, and it's a common paradigm that is is getting there. But it has to happen also in a university level. Like students, uh, the main thing that I saw in the university was just this. If you... I was the only one to share my notes. Uh, I was an excellent student. I was always in the first line. Uh, I had the best mark in the university, best course. But I was the only one who was willing and always to share my notes. And at that time, I was training for water polo six hours per day. And I was also playing with the national team. So it was really hard to keep up, do really well in university while I was training six hours per day in water polo and do work as a waiter and barman also in the weekend. But... The fact that uh, I was, I felt happy because I can share my knowledge, I can share my notes, I can share something with others and make their life uh, better and easier. And so this helped me to be also the representative of my university at that time. The student will elect me as a, the main representative. And uh, now I also founded another nonprofit that helped to give back 
to I raised a twenty thousand dollar to help students uh, to come here in the in the Silicon Valley and vice versa. It's called alumni of the University of Padua, and uh, we we are starting to get some uh, some programs of students. So this kind of give back uh, is really important and has to happen in real time. Uh, what I've seen from uh, other generation, they wait an entire life. They take all the advantage they can exploiting people. And then at the end, okay, I'm going to give back to others. What has to happen is the same mentality of software. You have to commit right away, pull requests. The innovation has to happen really quick. And so your give back has to happen immediately. And the same thing we are hoping in this program is going to be called commit back actually to help the open source project to, to raise their awareness, to start be, um, sharing and improved by all the community. The way that I see construction is like, is this big monolith of everyone from government construction to, to the small architect. And it's all, it's almost created its own ecosystem that is, you know, has its own economics and like innovation, like, like I said before is, you know, happens around, you know, it's not, it's not almost, uh, intuitive like tech would be like, I make, might make people's lives easier. Um, it's focused on like the inefficiencies and the fees and that's what's make what, that's what makes money. Now I've had, quite an quite a lot of experience with vendors software vendors in the in the in this industry and like you know this idea of sharing just doesn't work with them it's all it's all about building this platform beast that everything is centralized in their platform and unless you're in their ecosystem they don't want to know about you and mm -hmm. they're also woven into this um, eco or this ecosystem of um, you know self-made economics etc that I that I mentioned before and I find that there's a wall garden there and what we're doing on one side of the wall garden is talking about sharing and um, building solutions like 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 we see in the tech tech um, industry but it there's no correlation with this on the, what, what's happened on the other side of this uh, wall, which is this um, ecosystem. And I find as leader of BIM Launcher, who, uh, you know, started up, like this is my third tech company. My second one um, was an open source company, completely open source. We built uh, a platform of microservices that would enable people to reuse these microservices to really quickly build construction applications. And we wanted to make it a not-for-profit, and it was, you know, great, great. You know, it followed all these uh, really nice ideas and principles that were born in the tech industry. Now, it mm. fails. But, but know, no, uh, the, the point is this. The so the company who are actually doing open source are the richest company in the world. Like Microsoft bought GitHub for several billion dollars and uh, Facebook is doing open source, but they can do open source. They can have people who can share. So the point is that you need to be really strong and then you need to give the example that you can share. 
But if you're not strong, you cannot share. But the, those great people and great company have to give the example. So they have to put at least two of their employers to work on open source. And that's what company like Arup is doing. Dimitri is sponsored to keep working open source. HOK was doing with Conrad the mission control. Um, so Woodson Pagot also is helping. Uh, another company that are pretty solid, Toronto Tomazetti, another great example. So great company are giving the example. So I strongly believe that there has to be an hybrid ecosystem that doesn't have to be all open source, uh, all free. That's I don't believe in that. I believe the beauty of this world is is amazing because there is different culture, different mentality, and different people. And so I think we should all respect the fact that we want some magic. We want some exclusive. Uh, we want some. Um, this sensation are part of the surprise, right? Because if you, if something happened in your company, people want to join your company to see the magic that is behind your company. And so this sense of magic, I think, is part of the main spirit of innovation, like Facebook. You can see, you can see everything. The, but it's really difficult. Like I went to a, a really hard interview process and it took like several months and you have to spend one month and a half just to study a book. Uh, that they provide to you. But then, uh, especially when you join this company, is an entire magic that you can uh, you can see and you can experience. So for sure, Facebook released PyTorch, Google released TensorFlow, open source, uh, free to use. They provide services, they create a community around. But then they are the best company in the world uh, in terms of money. So for sure, you need to be an efficient company uh, that making a lot of money. The problem is like all these companies are actually not efficient and they are, I don't, I wouldn't say they're making a lot of money because if they're gonna, if they will make a lot of money, they would as well have money to provide these kind of services to back to the community. They didn't, they don't have even money to support open source project. Like even Ladybug, how many companies are giving $5 to Ladybug? And it's amazing software. I mean, the only thing of Ladybug people can say is the EPW file that are pretty outdated. And uh, Ashrae actually did a Kaggle competition for several thousand of dollars to actually have a better prediction system, time series forecasting uh, on that field. So I really would like to say that uh, it's important that uh, we keep in mind this hybrid system and focus on, sure, in fee, money, you need to have a cash flow, but the main value that is always behind everything, I think, is the happiness. People want to be happy. I mean, if the happiness is behind a fee, I don't think it's the real value there. People invest in um, in Zaha and Foster because they were they were given dreams. They were given a beautiful building. They were given the experience. Uh, uh, the exclusiveness to work with them, to work with these great artists, mathematicians, uh, extraordinary people who were dreamers, for sure, innovators, but they, I was, I'm sure, they were making their relationships uh, great and uh, they were making their client happy, surprising them. So that's, I suppose, uh, <clears throat> one of the things about the AEC sector is. 
um, there's such a small percentage of companies like like you've described where the majority of people who operate in the AEC sector are working in very small and disparate and disconnected companies yeah. and not working you know like so the Arabs and the HOKs and the Zahas and Fosters those there's a very small percentage of companies and a, and a small percentage of people working in those types of <clears throat> big organizations True, and, and it's only the one percent and yeah yeah and, it, and it, even it, the, the the amount of buildings that get produced through that system are, is quite small as well so I think mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. less it's less than 5% of buildings are actually designed by architects you know so yeah <laughs> yeah so th- I think that's and this this idea of like small companies that are struggling to keep going and uh, yeah for them to invest in open source projects or community things um, I mean it's pretty it's quite difficult yeah. well I'm no, I'm not agree. No. Uh, okay. So there is an amazing lab here at Berkeley. It's called XR Lab, and I'm in a conversation uh, with an amazing uh, postdoc and also other PhD. They are actually giving the main research, the research that, yeah, as you stated, one percent of this firm are there, but then they are focused on the 99 percent of the other company. And so there are also products, uh, for example, SketchUp that are really inexpensive, but also Open source project that can be used like Blender. It's free. It's open source. You can use it. If, if architects are going to start using it, then is they don't have to implement, but just providing feedback. Using it uh, is free. They can they can afford it because it's also free. Yeah, and there is no expense. They can deliver the product uh, and they can. Uh, we need the user. We need the people who actually are are trying or are working on that and giving feedback. So those and the 99% of the company are the people who are actually pushing the real innovation because all the software, as you, the beauty of Google is because it's for everyone, not because uh, it's accessible for like two, three companies. And so the beauty of the software like Blender is because it's affordable, it's free, it's, it's open source. And so Definitely, uh, small architecture studio are the one actually using Blender. I haven't seen anyone in my previous company using Blender. Maybe one that is really good expert of Blender, but no one even was allowed to, to install Blender. So other small architecture firm, they install a Blender and it's open source. There is Blender Beam. It's a great product. It's been developed. You have also amazing deep learning part uh, design in Blender and they're really great engineer working on that. Personally, anyway, I see open and closed source software in construction in the AC sector like oil and water. It's just not going to mix. Now, I see what, like from your perspective, you know, you're saying, look, there's all these great examples we need to push through. And from my perspective, I can see hopefully we'll get something to benefit the industry out the other side. Now, the reason that I kind of have these views is that, like, you know, all the products that you've discussed, like Speckle, they're all at their, very much so in their genesis uh, stage of their life cycle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's arguable whether they'll reach product and uh, certainly arguable whether they'll reach commodity because they don't have the business model. So they're not propped up by, I suppose, the likes of the 
um, public stock market, um, for instance. And what I'm seeing is that these companies might fail and therefore it's risky for other co- that the masses to actually invest in. And to come back to your point about looking at like tech companies, for instance, Google, yes, you've, yes, you've identified that the biggest companies are open source companies, but like I've observed um, the growth of the Kubernetes platform. Um, so that's, a, you know, for anyone that just, that doesn't know, that's the open source equivalent of the software that Google used to run all their all of their applications. So your Google apps, such as Docs, Sheets, etc., across their data centers at scale. And they're even looking at their business model now. And so since, you know, Google Cloud Platform a couple of months back, their CEO came out and said, look, we made a mistake with Kubernetes. We think we made a mistake with Kubernetes. Um, and therefore, this other networking tool that they have that they um, have open sourced at the moment, they're not considering making that part of the cloud native computing foundation, which is this open initiative where nurtures these pro- these open source projects. And he's saying, no, maybe that maybe what we're going to do now is keep this open source so we can control and govern this project, but it's not going to be allowed into this open environment where anything can happen. So there's so much happening right now, and we have product and BIM launcher that I really want to open source and I really want to give and I really want to kind of support the construction industry. But like when, as I look at this, we have a container platform that I'd love to open source. But as I look towards the other big vendors like your group, your A site, um, your group BC, your Trimble, your BIM 360, none of these guys are engaging in the giving back. None of them want to connect um, with one another. They have, they exist within their walled gardens. They have their market. And to my mind, I can't see a strategy for for the shared and open open source model at this moment. And I feel pretty defeated by the whole the outlook on things. And as a result, I'm keeping in keeping BIM Launcher and our products closed source. And that's that's my current mode of mm-hmm. mode of thought. But I'd be interested to say like to receive your feedback and advice based on your experience and kind of like your forecast on on the yeah. way that the construction industry is moving. So I think the bad part for me is like I don't have the experience of this industry for so many years. But also the good part of me is like I don't have that experience. (laughs) So I'm kind of fresh and uh, I feel I still have the energy. I'm not drained and uh, I'm still capable to to push forward and do my part as you as you guys probably already did. And uh, it's like. As you were mentioning, it kind of drain uh, because uh, it's so frustrating to hit in the wall for so many times and try to. And you, we wanted to have this kind of culture because we feel there's gonna be they're gonna exist better conversation. We can really improve the 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 build environment. We can really improve the place where we live uh, and moving forward uh, and uh, really improving and not uh, like. Uh, 
stopping each other and competing against each other, but in a bad way, but just competing for innovation. So, and that's happening also, I would like to say, internally at Google. Um, there are different teams who are building the same product. They don't talk to with each other and they they basically invest billion, million of dollars in this kind of team of 10 uh, top PhD student and researcher that are building the same product. Another team in another place in the world inside Google is building. And then they have to demolish one of them. So even Google has the same problem internally, because as you can imagine, there are this giant company and the communication and the collaboration is really hard problem in every organization, in every company. So my biggest hope is from the government. Uh, I be Italian, we have uh, a government that forces us to push innovation. Like Paolo Pisano also was part of this conversation with the Pope uh, and um, happened a few last week. And we we make we made mandatory beam. Uh, we there are a lot of regulation. Italy is a country full of regulations and. Uh, as you can say, the best country where BIM is happening as a revolution are Northern Europe country like Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Mm-hmm. Because I think the government uh, is really engaging in this conversation and is really connected with the companies and is part of the, the conversation. So um, I can see also from one of my great friends, Marcia Bolpani, she's also really engaged uh, with European commitments and different conversation. And those are the people who actually um, can do something that can really impact uh, our industry, in my personal view. Oh, that's that fascinating. Help. I think so. And I know you're feeling defeated, John. But look, I'm just <laughs> thinking a couple of years back, even Microsoft and Google, and you know, they were quite closed all yeah, the yeah. themselves. And uh, it was only... a it was only a, a couple of years ago that Microsoft started having this yeah. uh, sort of um, op- let's open up and let's uh, invite people to the new CEO. The new yeah. CEO uh, just yeah. revolutionized everything. Even yeah. now we are talking with Teams. Honestly, I always thought uh, Slack was the best platform, but then I tried Teams and it's amazing. Now IBM is making a huge scale They're using Slack internally, but honestly. Teams, especially for something like us, this visual, need the 3D environment, need the collaboration. It's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. I, it's a really great platform. Also, they, they release Visual Studio Code, uh, this open source, uh, GitHub, the boat, the boat LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is amazing also for learning, uh, connecting with the people uh, in the work ecosystem. So yeah, I would say the main uh, action that this company took are pretty remarkable. And they are giving the example that it's going to take probably other 20 years for our industry to, to learn, but oh, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> if, uh, if Anyway, if we have our way, to, like, so one of the reasons we've started this AEC Hive is to have these conversations. Like This has been a fantastic uh, conversation. We could probably talk for hours, but I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, <laughs> yeah, look, just to to connect people around the world who are pushing for better ways of doing things, challenging the the status quo, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe questioning 
whether the ways we did things 20 years ago are still relevant, you know, maybe there's better ways of doing things. I think that what the AC sector does is incredibly important, not only to the AC sector, but to everybody. So it's mm-hmm. you know, creating the, the built environment and we've got to do that in a much better way and a much more sustainable way. And mm-hmm. we, we've got to reduce the time and cost of delivery. We've got to improve the quality of those environments. So there's lots of challenges to to deal with. Lots of innovation needed. Yeah, we're, we're lots, really lots, the main responsible of all yeah. the climate change, CO2 emission. Yeah. yeah, and and lots of these conversations and connecting the dots. And and it's only because of technologies. Uh, yeah, the reason we're talking today is because of LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we've never met in person, but we've created a relationship through technologies. Um, which is fascinating, and uh, look forward to meeting in person one day. Yeah, look, look at the magic. Uh, I mean, sometimes we never stop to think uh, what's happening behind the scene, but really now my voice is traveling all around the world in real time and arriving to you. Uh, I don't know, I'm really focused on quantum uh, in the last days, and there is this teleportation on quantum level that is really fascinating uh, to see uh, how, where we are going. And even this, we don't realize because now it's granted in our, especially in my life, but having the information that can talk and I can write to you in real time is yeah. pretty remarkable. And I still don't understand how it's happening. <laughs> it's like, it's magic. Just, it's free. <laughs> I haven't paid for that. <laughs> so I don't know. It's the beauty of this world. Yeah. Thanks very much. We greatly appreciate your time. And, uh, and all your insights, and it's it's incredible. It's, uh, oh, it's incredible are. what you guys are doing. Uh, you're you're giving a lot of lessons also to to us uh, how to how to have a great impact, uh, and um, definitely you're a great example at least for me. Uh, I've been following since the beginning, and I hope you're gonna keep doing uh, what you're doing for for long. <laughs> I think it's going to be hard, but let me know how, what we can do to help you as well. Very good. Well, yeah. thank you, Alberto, for your time. Um, one thing that I'm going to take away from today is that innovation happens together. And um, I know you're the other side of the planet. But no, innovation happens only in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> no. <laughs> you haven't been tired yet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, Thank you so much. uh, Yeah, hope you keep well, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rob.